Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have Tanya Ann Crosby. Yes. Yes. It was was such a good interview. Yeah, it really was. It really was. So informative, like tons of notes. (laughs) I know. Yeah. We talked to her about translations because Mm -hmm. she's done over 100 translations across like five languages and she's just really knowledgeable about it. And Mm -hmm. um, this one, this interview, um, it kind of has given me, um, I've kind of changed my mind. I had a mindset mm-hmm. change after listening to her because she talked about how she had a period where she couldn't write new mm-hmm. content and she decided she would work on translations. She would exploit her intellectual property. Right. But, you know, I've always been so focused on the next book, getting the next mm-hmm. book out or the next mm-hmm. series, but I have 20 books that I control the intellectual property on. And if I'm testing out German. And if that does well, it would make sense to focus on that and get those into other languages, you know? I mean, because I'm to the point where the other day I was like, I really should get up at 5.30 so I can get Mm -hmm. my words in. But I'm to the point that I'm not really wanting to get up at 5.30. I want to set up my life in a way that I can get up about 6.45 or 7, you know? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. So this has been, I I thought about this interview a lot after it was over, and I was like, I think I'm going to make a couple of changes in the way Mm -hmm. I do things. Mm -hmm. So, Okay, yeah. I um, really just am looking at translations completely differently now, too. And Mm -hmm. uh, I had uh, sort of dismissed them, not not dismissed them, but just sort of thought, okay, I'll put them on the back burner for the first part of the year. But um, I'm going to look into some different markets, not necessarily German, mm-hmm. um, maybe French, and maybe uh, the some South American sort of markets and stuff and see what happens. It's a little tricky with romantic comedy. So Mm -hmm. yeah, but she talked talked about about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She talked about how she did not start in like the, the big markets. Like she didn't start Mm -hmm. in German, which would be sort of counterintuitive. You would think you'd want to start in that. And she said Mm -hmm. she uh, worked up to those. And I Mm -hmm. thought that could be really smart because you would learn you know, you get all your mistakes out, hopefully, Correct. <laughs> in your Correct. ones that maybe weren't going to sell as much. And then when you got to German or yep. whatever your big language would be, yep. then, you know, hopefully you'd have your system down, which would be mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very interesting. It's a great interview. Yeah. So we'll keep everybody updated with yeah. our translation stuff. So, so this week, talk <laughs> to us about this week. This week has yeah. been a little weird and crazy. What's been happening in our world this week, Sarah? <laughs> this week has been like uh, I've been calling it the snow apocalypse. Snow apocalypse. I saw somebody uh, called it Alaska, Dallas, Alaska, Alaska. Yeah, pretty it was much. hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Houston. All of all of Texas. All of much. Texas. All of Texas. Really, but yeah, we live in Houston, so that's really what I'm focusing on. Um, yeah, it was bad. It's bad. Everybody knows. You've seen the news. 
we've been made fun of, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, the bottom line is our homes are not built for this kind of um, this cold. kind of weather. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're just not. They're not insulated to the point to that mm-hmm. level. Yeah. They're they're just not. And uh, yeah, I mean, know, the I've, Texas electric grid system. That's a whole. Uh, has gosh, a lot of improving to do. That's many podcasts uh, <laughs> that's right. that we don't do. Yeah. yeah. So, but for for us, we did lose um, power. It was funny because people started losing power on Sunday, mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, we just felt horrible for them. And we had power all day Monday, and really, we're just you know hashtag blessed, uh, <laughs> feeling really sorry for people conserving you know we turned mm-hmm. off everything that we did just so that they could have you know there'd be more power and then at 6 30 uh, or 6 45 or something like that on monday night ours went out mm-hmm. and stayed out until thursday and um it's just not a good situation to be in it when it's good. so cold yeah. yeah we still had some water uh i mean we still had water but then tuesday a pipe broke in our attic and just poured through our ceiling in our, mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't lose the ceiling, but it poured through the vent in our bedroom. And so we have some damage there, but you know, compared to other people whose, you know, entire ceilings fell in mm-hmm. and stuff, what we're dealing with is just an inconvenience. We still don't have water and it's what's today, Sunday. I've yeah. completely lost track of time. <laughs> our biggest concern for, you know, for us is my 10 month old grandson living here and, you know, trying to keep a, 10 month old warm at night safely is mm-hmm. a little tricky. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we managed, and, and after the pipe broke, our son, who lives in Austin, called one of his friends here and said, Can my parents and <laughs> sister come stay at your house tonight? And because um, we didn't know anybody that had electricity, you know. And so we went and did that. That was good. Yeah. And because I think it was down to 48 degrees yeah, in our house at two it's in the It's got incredibly yeah. cold for here. Yeah. And yeah, it's so, just incredible. Crazy, crazy times. But, you know, we, we got our electricity back. And, you know, yeah. like I said, all we're dealing with is some inconvenience. We're using mm-hmm. pool water to flush our toilets. So, um, <laughs> so you are okay. Yeah. As long as you can okay. do that. Sarah let us come take a shower at her house today. Yeah. So yeah. Nice. We, yeah, we kind of had the inverse because we lost water at the very beginning because, mm-hmm. you know, like you were saying, I, uh, our, we're not set up for this type of weather. And no. we lived in Spokane, Washington. We've dealt with cold weather, snow for weeks and weeks on end. Mm-hmm. And so I did what we always do. You just open up a faucet in the back of the house and let it drip and we have everything winterized outside. But there is a difference in winterizing for the south when you have yes. this type of Arctic air coming because... Yeah. And I did not know that. And Mm -mm. so our pipes froze. And so we had no water for about, I don't know, two or three days. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we've ours, we were very, very lucky that the sun came out. I think it was on Tuesday or Wednesday. And just the heat from the sun uh, and the temperatures came up just a little bit, just enough that everything Mm -hmm. started melting. And so I think that's when a lot of the pipes broke around yeah. down because as it starts yeah. to melt. But anyway, so ours actually melted with no pipes breaking, which I couldn't that's believe. Great. And so that was good. So now and then after that, it was just I was just waiting for it to for the power to go out or for something to refreeze mm-hmm. because you just really don't know. Don't so know. 
There's yeah. a lot of, and it's so weird because, like I was telling you today, that a friend of mine that lives just kind of a mile from you, not even a mile, I don't think, she, they lost everything on Monday morning yeah. at one a.m. and didn't get it back until Friday. So yeah, so you just don't know. It was very yeah, random. it's just crazy and random. And y'all, if you think if you if you're the praying type, pray for people because there are still people that are yes. really struggling here, um, and yeah. send good thoughts. Because uh, there's a lot. I mean, we can, we can't get a plumber out now. Again, we're just dealing with an inconvenience. But there are there a lot are people of people who that really are in worse shape than us that can't get a plumber. So yeah, because um, yeah, everybody's just overwhelmed. And, yeah, you know, they're working. Um, our neighbor had a pipe break, and we were like, "Here, call our plumber." And they were said they said they're working 24 hours a day. And you know, they're just they're going as fast as they can. But yeah. the the amount of people who have been had damage Impacted, it's just yeah. crazy yeah mm-hmm. yeah so so, so how much have you gotten done <laughs> not much at all <laughs> <laughs> and i had big plans for this week but oh well but um, was, when I it was, happened i thought you know this would be a good time to like <laughs> gather up all my tax stuff and i couldn't even do that because <laughs> I, I was trying to it's just the the anxiety of not yeah. knowing what's going to happen yeah and yeah. you know it's and then, you know, we were dealing with one of our kids is in Austin and trying to help her figure out what mm-hmm. she's going to do and where she's going to go. And, yeah. you yeah. know, so basically not not much writing got done this week. But and in the past, I would have beat myself up for that. But I just thought, you know what? It's OK. Yeah. And I just, uh, you know, anything I try and write this week is probably going to have to be revised anyway. So (laughs) I will just not even worry about it. What about you? Um, Did you get anything done? I wrote 674 words yesterday and I was exhausted when I finished. I mean, my goal was a lot bigger than that, but Mm -hmm. I got 674 and I just decided to be okay with that. And uh, today I haven't written, but I, I was thinking I might go in there and see if I can get another 600 words or something. <laughs> I mean, I just, at this point, we're just trying to live, you know, you yeah. can only do what you can do. And, um, yeah, I'm not really feeling bad about it either. Um, yeah. Well, I think I've already, you know, I've kind of already made peace with that with the <laughs> past year. And, uh, yeah. and I know, I, I know myself well enough now that I know that if I sit down and really try to make myself right, it'll just, I'll just end up being more frustrated so Mm -hmm. um just kind of letting it go tomorrow's another day and we'll uh figure it out from there yeah and that's about all we can do and i did want to say that we did uh we were just like both of us were in just like survival mode for like about the first half of the week yeah and i feel like there's different levels and like i think jamie is still in survival mode i think our family's kind of coming out of it a little bit because our situation Mm -hmm. is a little bit better but we did go in the facebook group and post about what was going on and just thank you to everyone who yeah. was so sympathetic and, mm-hmm. you know, was sending good wishes our way. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, we'll take all those good vibes we can get. Yeah. So I've often said I would be a terrible pioneer woman and, um, this living without <laughs> this water it. really, yeah, really <laughs> confirms it for me. Um, but I did want to say, aren't you going to be on? Yes. I think this week, yes, yeah. I think my um, interview will be that I did on, for the creative pen, I think comes out on Monday if all goes mm-hmm. according to plan. So, so, that, so when this if comes you, out, it will be yesterday. Yes. Or- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you want to find out about, you know, how to write a series that um, I have a 
short nonfiction book I did on everything I've learned and everything I wish that I knew about writing yeah. a series. It's all in there. And that was a really fun interview. Good. So, so yeah, so hopefully that'll be out Monday. If not, I'm sure it'll be out soon. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's get on with the interview. It's much more interesting than our yes, our we, woes. We yeah. don't need to talk about <laughs> melting snow no. and all things like that. All right. all right. So here's Tanya. So today we're really happy to have Tanya Ann Crosby with us today. Hi, Tanya. How are you? Hi. Great. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're so glad you're here. Yeah. So let me read your bio. Tani Ann Crosby is the New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of 30 novels. She has been featured in magazines such as People, Romantic Times, and Publishers Weekly, and her books have been translated into eight languages. Known for stories charged with emotion and humor and filled with flawed characters, Tani is an award-winning author, journalist, and editor. And we're so glad to talk to you. We have lots of questions for you today, yes, especially about translations. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. So tell us how you got into writing. Wow. So um, that was, uh, I don't think I, I don't think I've, um, th- there's never been a time that I didn't know that's what I wanted to be. Mm. Um, there was a time when I thought I wanted to be like a um, ballerina slash archaeologist. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, think I always wanted to be. My granddaughter. Me too. That's what she wants to do. Yeah. 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 So, I, you know, I, 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 um, I wanted to be a ballerina until I realized that, you know, that really hurt my feet and I didn't uh-huh. want to. <laughs> and the archaeologist thing, that really sounded great. But, you know, in fact, one of the reasons why I got into writing historical romance was just because I love history and archaeology and, you know, anthropology, all of, all, you know, just, I, I love that yeah. stuff so much. It was a way to sort of incorporate, um, you know, all the ologies into <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so I uh I've just always known that's what I wanted to to do and you know when I um when I got out of high school uh I got married I, I got married pretty not right out of high school but I was like 22 and um I always thought that uh I would go back to school after I had my children because I wanted to go back to school for um uh, you know, to uh, learn my craft. Yeah. And, and I ended up doing that much, much later again, but so I had my kids and um, I, I uh, just gave it a shot. I read this wonderful romance called Kingdom of Dreams by Judith McNaught, but I I want to write, I want to write books like that. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, I wrote my first book and then I was like, so, um, just had had su- had such a lack of confidence that I I bought like a hundred manuscript boxes and I put them actually put them all together and stacked them up against a wall thinking I would go through all those rejections and then more. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, wow. I know I so I put it so then I ended up um I sent I sent my manuscript to uh to uh this was back in like 1989. Mm-hmm. I sent my manuscript to um 10 agents and mm-hmm. I think like seven out of the 10 wanted to um, Oh wow. But I was so this one of the, my mistakes was I actually went with the first agent who wrote me back mm-hmm. and, and didn't do the research. And, um, and she was my first agent for a while. And then I ended up moving on, but she, uh, so she asked me where I wanted to go. And I said, well, let's start at the top of the line. Let's get rejected mm-hmm. by the best first. <laughs> we went to Avon and they bought it. So, oh, wow. um, you know, it just kind of, that was, that was it. Wow. That's <laughs> I, got, a great- I got on the gerbil on the gerbil um the, the treadmill at that point and never got mm-hmm. off 
Oh, that's a great story, though. That's yeah. that's exciting. Yeah, and a lesson to aim high too. You know, yeah. go ahead and <laughs> aim for the best, and then you know if it works out, that's great. So yeah. yeah. So you know, it's a funny thing. I you know I not having a lot of com- I think I talked a lot about confidence when you and mm-hmm. I um, first started talking about doing this, and you know that was I wish I had approached this business with a lot you know with more confidence, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, it's funny that not having the confidence and yeah, and thinking I was going to be rejected so much, I, I that I would shoot for the top. And I think it was because I thought, you know, it would maybe be a bomb to my ego if we started at the top and I got rejected by the, the best, yeah. best. And then I was like, it'd be like, okay, well, you know, um, this is still, you know, I just wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that's great though. But I think, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people who start younger are the same way, you know, I mean, and some people can push through that and do what you did. And some people just can't like, I I didn't start writing until I was 50, but, and I tell people all the time, I couldn't have started one day sooner. Like I, I, my, my skin was not thick enough to do it even one day before I started doing it because I had a lot to learn. And um, so, yeah, I just think it's timing. And, but I think that, pushing through and just going for it is awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, pretty, pretty impressed. And in 18, 1989, that was like the gold star. I mean, you couldn't well, have done any better. I was 27 at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, still young. Yeah. Still young, still young and stupid enough to, you know, but, but, you know, it, it worked out and, yeah. um, and I did, you know, I, I learned, uh, I, I would have to say that I'm a much better writer these days than I was back then. Thank God, you know, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think I started with my first book. I did lots of head hopping and whatever, and yeah. I had to learn the ropes along the way. But, you know, the public kind of saw my mistakes as I grew, yeah. which has its pitfalls. But, yes, you know. it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what is your definition of success? These days, I think um, one of the things I, uh, you know, I in your the questionnaire that you guys sent um, to me, one of the things that I said was that, um, you know, uh, early on, you know, you're, you you measure your successes by um, maybe more concrete um, uh, goals. And for mm-hmm. me, initially, it was selling that first book, making the list the first time, making yeah. the next list, you know, selling more, selling more books, you know, all of these you know, goals. These days, I really kind of define my success in much different terms. Um, if I can write the books that I want to write, um, then, uh, and, and entertain um, my readers and uh, make a living. I'm mm-hmm. content enough with that. I still have stars in my eyes and really want to, you know, go for the gold. It's, you know, I, I try that with every book and, you know, just, you know, just one of these days I'll be that household name and mm-hmm. tell myself that and mm-hmm. keep going. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So what do you wish you'd known about writing and craft when you started? What do I wish I'd known? Lots. But, <laughs> you know, but again, you know, going back to the confidence thing, it's, it's really, I think it's, that's a really important, whatever your unique voice is. I mean, I, th- I, I read this book a long time ago called, um, uh, I think it's Pinker. No, it's not Pinker's Practical Grammar. I can't remember what it was, but it was all about, you know, learning the rules so you can learn how to break them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I think it's important to learn your craft 
but it's also really important that you realize that you're not competing with anyone else. You're competing with yourself. Um, and if I allow myself to, you know, to add anybody else to that, that uh, mix, it wow. would be crazy. I, my competition is with me personally. And so I wish I had had more confidence to um, really kind of explore my own voice versus trying to mold my voice to be something that, you know, um, so I didn't, I don't, I think that even though that spark of the, of my voice was in my early works, I probably don't think, I don't think I really found it till later when I had the confidence to, to just write as I, as I, as, as, as I was meant to write. Yeah. I think it takes a while to come to that. And I, I do too. yeah. And part of it, I think when you're starting out, you're still figuring out all the the how to pace and all these things that the technical stuff and it does take I feel like I'm much more comfortable in my writing now that I've been doing it for you know 15 years than I was at the beginning so but you've gone you you're partially indie are you hybrid or all indie or so I started out uh traditionally published um with Avon books that I did my first um I you know I can't I would I wish I knew these numbers I, I <laughs> it's okay mm-hmm. um and ha over them, but um, I think it was like either 13, 15, something like that. Mm. My first 15 books for, for Avon, and um, then I think I wrote uh, two for Harlequin, two for Kensington, and um, so these days I do my historicals, I do for um, do indie completely, mm. and and my um, women's fiction, I do um. You know, uh, I, I don't. I do for, for um, I, I was with the story plant and um, I'm working on a project that my agent is uh, going to shop soon. But um, yeah. I feel like women's fiction is a little harder. Yeah, to I do think it. you're right for indie. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think being indie has given you some of that freedom to explore what you want to, the stories you want to to tell? Absolutely. And I think that more than that, even it's allowed me to like, um, you know, I can, since you can measure, uh, again, successes, small Mm -hmm. successes by, um, by, by the metrics and you can Mm -hmm. see what's happening, you know, you kind of learn that, Hey, sometimes, you know, the publisher didn't know better, (laughs) you know? And, um, and so you can kind of make these little, uh, you know, you're not the Titanic and you, it doesn't take you like, um, you know, hours forever turn your ship, you know, you can turn it on a dime. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you don't have, you don't have to hit that iceberg. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, but so, you know, it's just, I love that. I love the fact that, you know, um, we talked about, you know, cover artists and doing, you know, I think I, I told you I paid for way too many. I, I invested in so many covers. So I can't even, I don't even want to know how much I've spent <laughs> on covers through the, through the years. But, um, but it's allowed me to see what covers have worked. And, you know, you can, since you can kind of um, change uh, courses just so quickly like that, you know, you can see this cover did, I uploaded this cover and it did great. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that one, not so, not so hot, you mm-hmm. know, so, yeah. uh, you know, this kind of blurb worked really well for me. That one didn't, you know, yeah. so. And I you can change people. that. That's, yes. Yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah, like you can yeah. fix it. Yeah, and I like being in control. So I yes. don't really see myself ever being, um, you know, just completely trad again. Never. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think that, uh, 
you know, they still have trad traditional publishing still has a lot to offer us Mm -hmm. in the right circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a good transition talking about covers and blurbs and stuff into marketing. What did you know? What do you wish you had known about marketing? Uh, So, um, you know, hmm. You know, that's a, that's a tough question. You guys did ask me this up front. So just, you know, there's just so much, you know, there's so know. That's what everybody says. Content. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Every, pretty much everything. Yeah. Like I, you know, there, you just have to unfortunately kind of go through the list of mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, everything from uh, what we just talked about, covers, blurbs, mm-hmm. um, advertising, all of it, you know, you've got to, there's a lot, there are a lot of hats to wear and you've got to be Mm -hmm. willing to wear them all. If you're going to be indie, you can't, you can't just throw your book out there and, um, you know, have it not be edited or not have the, you know, the the best cover possible, or it's got to be a professional product or it's just not going to work. So what assumptions did you make at the beginning of your writing career and looking back, did they turn out to be right or wrong? So at this point, you know, that was like 30 years ago. I don't really, I think I was just kind of just doing the job, you know, you know, so I can't really say what I expected then, you know, versus now, but at the start of my indie career, I, I was a major control freak and I thought (laughs) I didn't, I didn't have control over anything then. So I'm going to have control over everything now. And um, so that, that kind of, you know, sort of imploded pretty quickly. And I realized that that was just, that, that was what you wearing too many hats at that point. It is just not possible. <laughs> right, right. In fact, um, one of the reasons why I got into doing my own translations was because um, I was doing so much um, that I burnt out. I went through a health scare and mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, I, I was writing, two and a half, three books a year, which is a lot for me. I'm a really slow writer. Um, and, you know, it was just, it was just too much, but I was doing all that plus the marketing and, you know, I wasn't, I was trying not to cut corners every, anywhere. And it really just, my health went down hill really fast. Like I actually had a, um, a serious life death scare mm-hmm. about, um, about five years ago. Oh my word. Yeah. So instead of, while everybody else was writing more and more and more, like pick up the pace and put out another book and, you know, lift, lift your number, your, the, your number of releases from, you know, three to six, you know, I kind of sort of dug in my heels and said, I'm not only not going to put out six books this year, I'm not putting out any. <laughs> so I needed to see that I was going to survive this without, you know, I had to take a break, you know, sort of, take a, um, just take a deep breath. And, um, so what I did during that time was I started to figure out, um, try to figure out how I could monetize what I already had. And, Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I'd already done, I'd already done audio. So I figured, um, you know, I, what about translations? Well, my first language was Spanish. Um, and my mother, I grew up with my, you know, around my mother and her friends, you know, one was French, another was Italian, another was German, you know, so we, our household was very like, um, multicultural. And so I thought, you know, I'm comfortable with other languages. So, um, or if I'm not, if I can't read them all, I can fluidly, fluently read both, um, Spanish. I mean, we read Spanish and English, but I can't do, um, you know, Italian. I kind of understand bits and pieces here, but I know mm-hmm. people that I can, um, that I can reach out to. So um, that's kind of how I started. I thought, you know, 
Um, and I don't like being told that you can't do that. Like, you know, <laughs> as an indie, it's kind of like, yes, I can. I can do that. You, it, five years ago, it was like translations. You know, you can't do translations. This is, you know, but yes, you can. You can do translations. And, um, and so I kind of set my um, mind to figuring out how to do them and, and did. That is terrific. And I think that's an interesting angle because a lot of people, if there's, they can't release as often because there's a big, uh, I heard Becca Syme referred to it as the cult of speed where like, you know, just more books, more books, more books. And if you can't do that, then it's like more ads, more ads, more ads. So right. I think that's interesting that you went, you leaned into translation. So we have lots of questions about that in <laughs> just a little bit for you. <laughs> Well, we can dive right into that if you want to. I just okay. uh, I know yeah. where you guys are, you know. In the, um, yeah, that would be great. Well, yeah. you sent us some information and um, it, you've translated over 100 books into various languages, right? Yes. So um, can you just, so you've told us a little bit of how you got started. So how, can you tell us like how you handle the translations themselves and any um, tips or ideas for people who want to get into that now? Right. So one of the things, one of the um, biggest barriers, you know, obviously is the cost, you know, translations are expensive. And when I first decided to do this, I did like crunch the numbers. And um, I think I, at the time, I can't remember, I think it was like 30 books or whatever, you know, so I did, I did the math and, you know, it was going to be like, seriously, like 750, 750, 100,000. Yeah, that's a big number. Yeah. <laughs> we can hardly say it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> to, to actually do those translations, if I did them all direct. And, you know, and I started thinking about it. I thought, you know, well, not only do I not want to invest that capital up front, but it's not smart to do it with certain languages anyway, right. you know? And, um, you know, so it, it just really, that was not, that was, it just, that wasn't feasible. So I started looking into, I, you know, I, I did lots of research, researched lots of platforms and I found Babelcube, which is kind of an ACX type. And there are a couple of them, Right. A company like that out now. It's not just them, um, and they may or may not be the best of them. I used them just mainly because that was um, they were the furthest along, and I at the time I trusted them most. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so I, what I decided to do was um, I, and there were so few. There was no way for even on Babbletube at the time. There was no way for you to actually reach out to um to translators because they didn't the way that they actually sort of formulated that 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 dashboard was that translators could find you but you couldn't really find them but i did the research like on um translators cafe and other places and did found the translators that i wanted to use and then took them over asked them if they were willing to do it on babelcube i chose certain languages to start off on babelcube and those were languages i knew that i wasn't going to put the money out for direct um, translations and those included um, Spanish. You know, even though I speak Spanish and I just seem like they'd be the easiest ones for me to do. Um, you know, I, I mean, I went to Spain a couple of years ago and sat with my cousin, and she actually told me straight to my face, "I love her," but she said, "You know, I hope you don't mind, but you know, I I I I downloaded your book, you know, from a basically from a pirate site because I can't really afford to buy this. So it's okay. Well, they it just seems to me that I don't think that um, their culture is, um, I don't know. I, 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 I shouldn't, I don't know if I should say that. But that <laughs> they seem to be huge pirates. <laughs> but, um, and I, I, 
I, I, there are certain cultures where right. that's more, yeah. I mean, Kobo has said that's one reason they started the um, Kobo Plus in the countries they did because piracy was high there. <laughs> so. And I think Portuguese is another one, you know, like yeah. as well. Um, and since, and, and I, I can kind of back that up by saying that out of all my translations, the ones that seem to end up on the pirate sites are the Portuguese and the Spanish ones. <laughs> So um, mostly, it's like not not like it's never another language, but it's mostly theirs. Um, but I started with Portuguese and Spanish and on um, and Italian um, on Babel Cube. Um, I found that I couldn't find a lot of French um, translators that would go to Babel Cube because you know, uh, or or German. Uh, and I'm kind of glad that I couldn't find them early on because those are really good languages to do direct. Um, okay. direct. And, um, so what I did is I actually put a couple of my books up and I just kind of, um, uh, found translators that I trusted fa- translation teams, you know, and I don't advise, um, having, if you, 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 it, it's better if you're, if you're, especially if you're doing on Babel cube, there is a way for them to work as, you know, a team, a translator and proofreader kept together. I would not work with just a translator. Mm-hmm. Um, I would make sure they they're willing to be on a team and the proofreader should be of your choosing. Um, but uh, so I started there and as the money, I was pretty determined that um, I wasn't going to spend my, you know, my own money um, on translations that I had to, what, whatever I earned bulk cube, that was, was what was going to go back into translations. And I was very pleasantly su- surprised to find that, you know, that, um, you know, at first it was, you know, small, small bits that came in, put it all aside. And I did my first German translation and German was, wow. You know, I, um, I put that up, no um, promotion at all. And um, literally my books, I, I started put, putting those out every three months and those bonused in KU hmm. uh, for a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. And you yeah. did those direct, right? I did those direct. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I did French too, but I think I, I started out um, with um, contemporary in French with my suspense titles and those did not do as well. However, my historical titles did really well in, yeah. in, in French. So that's another thing is Babel Cube can be a really great way to sort of test the waters so that you're not putting your hard-earned cash into, um, I mean, obviously I, you know, the translators, you know, somebody's taking a risk here. Yeah. Right. And, um, and Babel cube makes up for that by giving them the majority of the money up front, which is fine because after five years you own that, that translation and you get to upload it, you know, on your own, wherever you want. Um, this year, I think I get back like 36 titles. Wow. So yeah, because I started this, you know, five years ago, they keep their, they, they keep your rights for five years. And mm-hmm. um, so I get like 36 of them back this year. Those go up wherever I want, you know, direct KU, mm-hmm. wherever I want mm-hmm. them to go. Um, I got 30 something back last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so five years is, you know, if you start planning, treat it as a business plan and start right. ahead, you know, it, it, five years seems like a long time, but it's really not. It passes. Right you're doing other things in the meantime and um <clears throat> and you know so uh anyway that's how i approached it that's great that well i terrific. have i'm gonna wait on the next question because i have a question off that question yeah. <laughs> so when you do direct like to germany i've heard isn't there an issue with the translator and the copyright 
So there is, but um, so the um, the German the the German translators actually own the copyright. You know, right. they are the. Um, but there's a there's a. It was actually my German translator who helped me formulate a contract that actually oh, found that. So yeah. essentially, you have to pay them royalties. That is what you know. But you if 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 you've reached an agreement and they're getting enough money up front, you they they should be willing to uh, sign a contract that basically gives him, I think them, I think my contractor and I determined it was like 0.0001% of royalties, which is not even worth asking for, you know? So, um, uh, I mean, she can ask for it if she wants to, um, but the way I've got the contract worded, it's like, you know, you have to request it. And at this point we'll consider, um, you know, you're, this is how much I'm giving you. Anything yeah. beyond that, um, this is this is when where our payments stop. And if you want royalties, you have to request them. And then at that point, it's like such a minimal amount. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple of other little tidbit things that you have to include in the contract, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, legally so that mm-hmm. they belong to you. But so there is a way around it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I had heard that, but I, and I knew there had to be because there's too many people doing it, but I just didn't know exactly how that worked. So very good. Yeah. So then on your translation, oh, did you have another question, Sarah? I do have a follow-up. Okay. <laughs> so I was wondering about um, your, the time frame for your translations. Like, um, I think I've heard, you know, it can take up to a year. I'm working right now with Reedsy to do one in German and it's taking several months, but I've also heard of translators that turn it around really quickly. And I think part of it is the kind of like the indie mindset versus the traditional mindset. So what have you found for um, timeframes for just the actual translation itself? So anything under three months, I'm wary of. Just because I feel like, you know, even if they're using, I actually have some translators who are actually using software right now, but they started out translating for me without the software. They got the software to actually help them along, but they still know, I mean, they still are doing, you know, they're going through and they're doing the, um, you know, they're, they're giving it that personal touch. And, um, and so I think a lot of those people who are wanting who are willing to turn it around in like 30 days, I would kind of look at that with a, that's a red flag to me. Mm, And I probably would not accept that. Um, uh, I think for a good translation, it, um, I mean, it's possible. Is it possible that it's not, you know, that it'll be a good good translation? Sure. But, um, you know, and if you want to try it, absolutely. But um, I would, one of the things that I did when I would get submissions eventually I did start getting submissions through through Babel Cube, but you want to make sure that you are paying someone who is not actually going to be doing translations to actually do the um, the, the, the vetting for you, um, you know, so that you're not just accepting whatever comes in. And you know, but there's so much. Uh, one of one of the mistakes that I did with um, one of my very first translations was I took on a um, I accepted a, a, a translation through Babel Cube. Um, by an um, a uh, an Italian translator, and she actually was uh, she you know she wasn't using software. She was actually a good translator. I had, but the thing was that she was accustomed to translating um, erotica and soft porn. So the language that she used was really offensive to my readers. So you know the. Um, I got so many complaints and I, we ended up having to pull that book and um, you know, just because it, 
my readers was horrified. Um, they were, you know, you just can't, that's not, yeah. historical romance just doesn't have that. That's not who our audience is. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it, but not, that's not the audience for it. Um, yeah. So you have to be really careful about the um, context. Yeah, I hadn't even considered that. Yeah. That made, I, I mean, that just, not anything I had ever considered because you're right. They're translating your words into something, you know, it's, into another it's, language. So they, yeah. Yeah. They have to style. match the heat level of yeah. what you have. Oh my yeah. gosh. I hadn't even thought about that. Great point. Yeah. yeah. So I think it wasn't even that she was adding more love scenes. I think she was describing them very like. Yes. Yes. She yes. was just, yeah. Describing yeah. them graph more graphically than more your. Graphically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, what right. about covers? Do you do new covers for your translations? I don't. You know, I just, um, I there are some covers that I'm I test. Like now, I test um, new covers here and there. You know, um, you know, for different markets. But honestly, I kind of found that it doesn't. Like, I do think that the Italian market does have a certain um, cover style. You know mm-hmm. that that Italian readers recognize as. This, Italian writer, you know, mm-hmm. but we're not fooling anybody. These are translations, American <laughs> translations. And I don't really think that just giving them a cover, I haven't found that one sells more than, better than the other. Like I've done translations, um, uh, covers, you know, that matched what, you know, I did the market analysis and did covers that, you know, I felt matched what they were um, accustomed to. And I did not find that it actually sold better than just put putting up the my U.S. cover, but just yeah. with the cha- mm-hmm. the title and yeah. everything changed. That's yeah. interesting. Really interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you talked about this a little bit, but do you do promotions for your translations? I do. Um, you know, early on, I did not because there was not very much competition. Like I didn't have to. I mean, I didn't start. Uh, putting investing the money into them oh the good old days <laughs> yeah okay they start investing into them you know uh as far as pr- promo uh until i had to because why should you you know if i'm if i'm making bonuses in ku for a year and a half i mean what's the point i mean yeah. i can i can do better sure at one point actually my translations were bringing in and i don't do poorly in the u.s but my mm-hmm. translations my uh, were uh 65 of my income oh wow yeah so, um, so I didn't think there was a problem with that. <laughs> so I didn't. Put the money so that's in really it. good. Yeah. 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 So I didn't put the, I didn't put the money into it, but these days I do do AMS ads, um, for, for, it, you know, we have access to, you know, all, all the different markets. I do AMS ads for them. Um, uh, I'm a little more methodical with them because I obviously don't speak those languages for the most part. So it's a little harder to, um, you know, to call the keywords that you need. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a little more time consuming, a little harder. So I probably don't put as much time into them as I do, or I guess I should say I don't do as many ads there as I do for the U.S. But um, there are also um, a handful of BookBub type promotional um, newsletters as well. Yeah. So do you do you put copy in your AMS ads or no? No, um, I do have. Um, um, no, I don't. Okay. I don't do copy. 
Okay. Because yeah. I was going to say you would want to do it in the language, correct? You would if you were doing yeah. it. Yeah. But I don't even think they allow you to put copy, not even in KDP. I don't think they allow you to put copy in those because I okay. think that they just kind of know that you're probably going to mess that up. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, probably true. <laughs> so, uh, there's the, I, don't think the, I don't think in any of the programs that I use, you know, I don't think they allow for copy. Yeah. So when you have a new release now, do you just plan on a translation as part of your <laughs> release? That's just part of your process. You don't. So do you have all your backlist pretty much translated now or? Everything pretty much. I mean, there are a hand, there are a handful of books <laughs> that I haven't, and I, I did slow down um, uh, with the last couple of books. Cause I feel like there's a lot more competition now. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and, 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 so I don't know if that's the only reason. I also also started a publishing company, and that started by accident as well. <laughs> um, but now I have, I think, um, 16 other authors that I publish this mm-hmm. as well. So um, you know, there's a lot of work to do yep. already. Yep. So, um, you know, maybe once I get to the point where, um, you know, I delegate a little better, then I can kind of look at some of those again, but there are, there are some, like there are some series that I just have done automatically right. other books that maybe are standalones that I might skip in right. like French or, you know, Portuguese or whatever. But I do now have a really great stable of, of translators that I automatically go to. Yeah. I think that's what holds a lot of people up is mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the, finding the people to help you translate and make sure it's all good. That's Mm -hmm. a big hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. Some of my friends, I've actually paid more for some of my translation than some of, some of my really savvy uh, girlfriends. They actually took their, um, you know, so long as you you do the legwork, meaning you get the right people to vet, you know, the, the, who know your own style. It's important that they know what kind of books you write. They read your books. They know what, you know, the context of your story Mm -hmm. should sound like. Um, And then you have somebody really great that you can help that can help you vet the, um, the, uh, the submissions. Then um, if you go to, I think it's um, they, I think they went to Upworks for Mm -hmm. their, to, to look for translators there and paid much less than I did okay. and got really great translations. So oh, it's possible okay. to, there's lots of, there's lots of different options now. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. all good to know. Yeah, it is. And you know, I mean, your catalog is big. I mean, that is not an insignificant number of books that have been translated. So no. I, I think that's Over, it's like 130 books. I've yeah. Done. That's so great. Oh. Yeah. You're yeah. really ahead of, ahead of the curve on that because Let's see, about almost five years ago, a, a lot of people were talking about translations, but I just don't think they did it the right way. I don't think, and they may not have had the right, it might not have been the right genre. Historical's yeah. pretty, I think, not safe, but I think that's a good genre to put out in other countries and see how it goes. So good for you. So I think one of the reasons why, um, you know, maybe it worked out for me where it didn't for some others is that, you know, um, it's really easy to just see, you know, Google and see, oh, here's a translation company and they charge Mm -hmm. $10,000. I'm going to do this, you know, but for me, you know, I had a couple of things, you know, maybe going for me that, you know, first of all, I'm really comfortable with the different languages right? um, and have people in my life that I could reach out to. Um, But second of all, I'm cheap and I didn't Mm -hmm. want to pay. $10,000. And I'm a control freak. Mm -hmm. So I would rather like do the legwork and find the right people. And all of the plus I, you know, I got sick and that, you know, even though wasn't fun, 
you know, mm-hmm. um, it was a really, really scary time in my life, you know, but, um, but, you know, it, having slowed down like that gave me the, um, you know, I found out a couple of things. I found out a, you know, I could stay relevant and not write 10 books a year. Right. Um, and it just, you have to, you have to learn to market your books and you have to learn to exploit all the rights. And so it gave me time to uh, explore uh, the translations. I think that's terrific. Yeah. yeah. It is. Necessity is the mother of all invention. Yeah. When, you, <laughs> Absolutely. when your back's against the wall. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's circle back to some of our other questions and um, kind of talk about um, lessons learned and things. So have you ever had a mistake that turned out to be a good thing? Um, you know, actually I, I, let me look real quick. Cause there was a couple who were, Oh yes. No, not that ended up being a good thing. Not so much, but we were talked that we, you know, after I, you sent me the questionnaire, I started thinking about the mistakes that, um, you know, beyond approaching the business, the business with more confidence. Um, I know this is not really answering your question directly, but <laughs> one of the mistakes I, it wasn't a mistake. It was a mistake. But it wasn't, I don't know that I would change it because I, you know, I love what I wrote and, um, and each of my books at, at that time had, you know, was on fire for them. So, but mm-hmm. writing all over the place and in too many genres really does sort of slow down your progress. And that, yeah. I, I would say that I did sacrifice some uh, momentum with my sales and my books by not focusing on a genre. So there was that. And yeah. the other thing that I mistake that I, I um, made that, um, you know, I wish I had, and I don't know if this kind of is a sort of related to the confidence issue or whatever, but, um, you know, early on, I was really afraid to, um, to make use of my, um, the, my networking contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I was in this uh, online writing group at one point um, with Tom Clancy and he and I, had very, very different political views, argued all the time. And, but I guess I impressed him, you know, so he, uh, he, he, he called me one day and he said, Hey, I really want you to um, call my agent and um, tell them that these were his words. It was like something like, well, you want me to keep the PC sometimes? (laughs) (laughs) He, He said, basically, you know, that you are a, dummy <laughs> if you don't use this because I'm giving you permission to do it but I still couldn't do it because I was like I actually I think I even told him look you know we've become friends you know and I don't really want to incorporate you know just you know encroach on your on I don't want to ride your coattails in any way they perform that's not who I am so no thank you so he ended up calling his um, agent at the time, and it was Robert Gottlieb, I think. Um, and he he said, uh, you know, he called his agent. He said, well, this dummy <laughs> <laughs> won't, won't contact you. So I'm telling you that you need to actually reach out to her and I want you to represent her. So he reached out, to, Robert Gottlieb reached out to me and I ended up going with um, that them. I ended up getting rid of my other agent and um uh, went with them. And, um, you know, so, uh, you know, and, and that was a positive thing at the time. And I've since moved on from that also, but, um, you know, I don't, I, one of the things I told you, um, in the question that you guys sent is I don't really know that I believe in 
mistakes necessarily. You know, I think we learn as much from our mistakes as we mm-hmm. do from our successes. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think a lot That's of times a great we learn story, more. though. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of times we learn more from our mistakes than we do Absolutely. from our successes. And I think as long as we can process that and figure out what to do differently, then it's it's okay. So that was one reason we wanted to do the podcast was just to, you know, explore these different things. So it's a great story. <laughs> so what about the opposite? Have you ever had anything that you thought, this is a great idea and it turned out not to be so great? And I'm going to mute oh. so that you got... <laughs> all the time <laughs> I do that like I just have like ideas that I think are just brilliant but I you know I think that's one of the reasons why I've been able to actually and again this goes back to the whole thing where you know I just don't think anything's really even even if they didn't like it just kind of ended up being a total flop I don't consider it a mistake because I feel like I learned so much from from those mistakes but um you know but I I tend to kind of go you can ask my friends you know, who've known me for a really long time, they're like, Oh, God, Tanya has an idea, get out of the way. <laughs> you know, because like, you know, I'm just like, really, I'll get an idea, whether it's like for, you know, a box set theme or whatever, you know, and I will like, I get the idea and I run with it, you know, and so sometimes they do well, and sometimes they don't. So I could probably list hundreds of <laughs> ideas that did not go well. And, um, and vice versa, you know, so yeah. you, know, you throw yeah. spaghetti at the wall and it sticks. Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, I just think that's so evident by the fact that you said, let's go to Avon first. I mean, I just, <laughs> that's just fantastic. Yeah. So uh, I would guess if you did Becca Simes at uh, Strength Finders, you'd be activator would be pretty high in your uh, uh, strengths Strength. because it's what it sounds like. Yeah. That you yeah. just take well, I'm an oldest child, <laughs> <laughs> which works really well for like, um, you know, for the indie publishing business. Yeah. Not so much sometimes for marriages, yeah. <laughs> especially when you're married to a younger, youngest yes. child, you know, but exactly. you know, they do stay opposite the track, right? Yeah. So, oh, exactly. uh, yeah. 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 So, uh, but I think that has to do with the fact that I'm an old, older. older Me too. Yeah. I'm, older. I'm, a, I'm a number one as well. Me too. I'm the number, number one to oldest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the oldest child of a, um, you know, I, my mother was, you know, she, I was born in Spain, my mother's Spanish. And um, so she basically, like, I'm the oldest child of an immigrant, you know, so Mm -hmm. there were a lot of times that I basically was like, you know, the one who had to like, you know, my mom had problems. So she like, you know, come to this little five-year-old, hey, what do we do? (laughs) (laughs) I you speak English, you tell me, because I, at the time, I was the only one that spoke any English, you know? Right. Um, So, you know, it was, uh, that's what that, it does shape you. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah. I'm an oldest child too. And I heard it described one time as like the oldest child is like the, the icebreaker in the parental life, you know, in, in life, you're, you're, your parents are doing the best they can, but they may not, you know, they're just, you're up there. They're experimenting. Helping. Yes. They're learning with you. So, yeah. Right. So another question we always like to ask is um, what is the biggest mindset change you've had to make during your career? Um, probably that would be, you know, to stop being such a control freak. I Mm -hmm. am, um, you know, I, uh, I, I think I kind of have this sort of mindset that unless I'm doing it myself, it's not going to be done right. And I just have to do it. And, you know, I, um, that's a, that's a, I think that's a mindset that, you know, leads you down the wrong path. Um, 
too often. And I feel like, um, you know, that w- that's been my, my greatest mindset change is I'm now starting to let go, like pry tasks out of my, <laughs> out of my Cabrigo Mortis hands, you know, like, you know. Um, but just, you know, just in, to give them to other people, because it's just not, you know, it's not really a wise thing to take on all tasks, especially if you want to, you know, keep moving to the next level. Yeah. And I bet with publishing more authors, you've really had to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, um, another thing I noticed about your website is that you have a shop where you sell signed paperbacks. And I wanted to ask you about that real quick too. Um, Can you tell us how you set that up and what the reaction has been from the readers? So that was a really easy setup. I use Shopify. It's a really easy setup, but um, you know, I, I don't put the energy into that, that um, maybe others do. And, and yeah, you know, it, I do sell books off it, but I wouldn't say that it's, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of books. I, I think it's, um, you know, it's, it, I, I haven't disma- dismantled it yet, but, um, uh, and it, you know, it's not really extra work. It's just, you know, it's, I, I, I have not had, that's one of the things that I have not had tremendous success with. I've had more success actually moving into, um, you know, at one point, and you asked what, um, about change in mindsets. And one of the, uh, one of the things I've changed my mind about is when I got into the, you know, the self-publishing, um, in 2011, I really thought it was all about, um, uh, eBooks. Um, and really, I've learned since then that um, there is still a market for uh, for um, paperback and, and and even hardcover. And so, moving into um, I, I I sort of got off my butt and did the um, Ingram account. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, I actually sell quite a few books through through Ingram, mm-hmm. um, both paperback and hardcover. And hardcovers seem to do really well with like libraries and I don't do large print, but um, then I also, but the mass market size, I decided when I went into KU that I wanted to, um, and that's what actually started it. So I, um, when I went into KU, um, I decided that I wanted to have a really, really competitively, competitively priced paperback out there mm-hmm. so that I could um, offer that to, you know, to readers on other platforms. And uh, as it turned out, I sell a lot of those. Like that's, um, so I do those for all my authors now as well. They're just, wow. uh, yeah. they do really well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I found the same thing with Ingram and paperback. And I did the same thing when I went indie. I was like, I had, I remember writing an email to a reader who wanted to know when the print book would be out. And I was like, well, everything's going ebook now and I have to focus on that. And, and I look back on that now and kind of cringe because there, there's still a lot of readers who like print. And Mm -hmm. I, once I started doing Ingram, I saw more, more, lots more sales in print as well. And so, right. Yeah. It's just, so for me, you know, um, I, you know, for a new release, I can easily sell between 500 and a thousand copies for the new release, but I wow. actually know other authors. Um, I, you know, um, I, you know, I personally know other authors who can sell 5,000, you know, mm-hmm. for a new release. Wow. So it's really not, you know, but for me, you know, for, I consider that a success for historical. Yeah, sure. Oh, I do too. But, 
Yeah, but for because but, that's just books yeah. that that's money people are leaving on the table if they right. don't do it. You know. Yeah, I'm in the process right now of putting all mine on in- Ingram. So yeah, good for you. I think that's you know I think that I wish I'd done that much sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is I was doing the the KDB paperbacks and. Um, uh, you know, and I do still do the KDP, KDP paperbacks um, because I think that that still reaches another another um, mar- you know market not, not market but another contingency you know so yeah. um, um, you know they do reach different markets and so I I think that's one of the things that I've really learned is that you know I really have to have your finger in all of these pies you know? yeah. um, and it yeah. you know. It, it, a penny here and a penny there it all adds up multiple streams of income yeah Absolutely. exactly exactly well what's the biggest thing you think you've done to set yourself up for success hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the best thing that I did to set myself up for um for the for indie publishing mm-hmm. is I actually took a 10-year hiatus I was very very dis- discouraged when I uh, when I left traditional publishing for lots of reasons I you know just uh, um I they promised a lot of things that they d- ended up not giving me right. and I was really very discouraged mm-hmm. um by that the politics of 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 the business just yeah. kind of really very nearly did me in and I took a 10-year hiatus, and I was working in Dallas, Texas at the time. And, um, you know, for a while, I went to work as, um, uh, you know, uh, in, in the marketing department at Match.com. <laughs> and for a while, I was the editorial director at a stable of magazines. Um, uh, and I, I was, you know, I was the editor- editorial director overseeing like five different um, publications. So between all of those things, they, I think that between the, you know, um, the marketing skills that I, um, that I, I learned at, you know, while at Match and, you know, in, in various other companies as well, um, and the editorial um, experience that I learned, it really kind of set me up for to yeah. do exactly what I'm doing right now. That's terrific. That's really great. So really good. Yeah. So this has been so good. And we just thank you so much for sharing, you know, just the information you have about translations and your kind of your career and how it's changed. So um, we'll have the links to your website and everything in the show notes, but can you just tell people where they can find more about you and your books? Yes. Um, So you could actually, um, I'm, I'm on, at this point, most of my books are actually in KU, but I do still have some books wide. Um, you can find out exactly which books those are on my website, um, and that's www.tanyaancrosby.com. And also on that website, and I will give this to you, there's actually um, a link with some information. Because I did this um, conference a couple of years back um, and have uh, the uh the presentation that I sent to you guys, plus some additional information, I can give you guys the um, password to that, and people can download that if they'd like it. For translations? Yes, for translations. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. that will be wonderful. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll be great. looking at it. All right. <laughs> yeah. if any questions at all, feel free to ask me. All right. all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great. Thank yes, it has. Yeah. Thanks. Bye, everybody. See you next week. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. 
We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.